So I got to tell you about my Sunday, okay? I went to Citizens Bank Park to see the Phillies play the Reds. It didn't go well. Now, nothing is going well right now. And all of you are asking the same questions that I am as a Phillies fan. So why not answer some of them? It's mailbag time on episode 10 of the Phillies Nation podcast right now. Yo, Phillies Nation, welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. This is episode 10. I'm Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of philliesnation.com, where you can find news, rumors, information, and so much more about the Phillies. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash philliesnation, Twitter at philliesnation, Instagram at philliesnation underscore, and this podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and at YouTube at youtube.com slash philliesnation. Go to iTunes and give us a review, a rating, let us know what you think. More reviews and ratings gets us more listeners. We want to get more listeners. Please help us out if you can. Today is a little different than usual. Um, I wanted to do for this, it's the 10th podcast of, of our uh, run here. So on the 10s, I wanted to kind of do something a little different and take your questions instead of going and talking to somebody else about their career, their life, whatever. I wanted to cut your questions about the Phillies. And obviously right now is a very crucial time for people's questions because people are pretty upset about what's happening with the Phillies and you can't blame them. You cannot blame them. I, uh, this morning it's, I'm recording this on Sunday night. It's 11 o'clock and I got up at 6 AM. My seven month old daughter wakes up at that time. So we wake up at that time and we get going with our day, but we got in the car around 7 AM and drove down to the Philly area. I live in New York in Westchester County. So it's about a two hour drive, had breakfast with a friend who's about to have her own baby, which is awesome. And, and new life is great. And get to talk about all those awesome things. And then in the afternoon, we decided to go to Citizens Bank Park and take in the matinee between the Phillies and the Cincinnati Reds. And it was a good time, like hanging out with the family at the ballpark, having a couple beers, a couple hot dogs, walking around a lot and trying to keep the baby happy and excited and then sleepy at some point. And that's the way it goes. But it's really hard to watch this team right now. I mean, Zach Eflin had a really bad outing on Sunday um, in that he can't put anyone away. Just when he think that he's going to put someone away, there's another ball going 400 feet into the outfield and over the fence. Eflin right now is 0-3 with a 6-1-3 ERA. And he's got 25 strikeouts and nine walks. He doesn't walk many guys. It's great, right? But the 25 strikeouts are in 47 innings. That's not going to cut it. He's not getting people out with his own stuff. He has to rely on his fielders. And in that Sunday game, the fielders luckily made a couple really nice plays. Cesar Hernandez made a nice snare or two. Michael Franco made a nice play or two. Eflin looks... I mean, he looks like a different pitcher than last year when he was coming on strong at the end. And everybody looks that way, right? 
Vince Velasquez has regressed, can't go more than five innings, can't walk fewer than four batters a game. Aaron Nola kind of up in the air, had a good start against a bad Pittsburgh team, but then gave up a couple runs against Cincinnati. More home runs, more home runs, more home runs. Nick Pavetta didn't have a great trial uh, trial up here in Philadelphia. Jared Eikhoff looks like he's regressing, can't necessarily get his outs when he needs to and gives up too many big hits. Jeremy Hellickson is Jeremy Hellickson, but you're looking for someone to kind of stabilize this staff, and it's not happening. So Sunday at the ballpark was not very fun, at least on the field. I was fine with my family, but man, so you get the combination of the home runs that the Reds are hitting. And the Phil stayed in it early, right? Andrew Knapp, a big three-run home run. That was great to see. He's getting himself going. Tell you what, he should probably be in there more often. But then, the offense completely falls asleep. Oh, here a single, there a single. Aaron Altair gets on base. Tommy Joseph gets on base. But then you get the Michael Franco single after two line drive outs and a strikeout and whatever else, whatever he's putting up. But then Odubel Herrera, my goodness, what has happened to him? Flailing at everything. Michael Saunders hasn't really been the guy that we hoped he would be. And let's be honest, I don't think... I was, at, at least I was not expecting him to go 280 with 25 home runs. I mean, he had a bad second half last year in Toronto. His first half was very good, but his second half wasn't good at all. So I wasn't expecting him to come in and be the savior. But I think we wanted to see someone who could once in a while get a big hit, keep a steady average, and not necessarily kill the Phillies offense most of the time. And that's what he's doing. It's like the second coming of David Bell or something. You know, this offense is relying on Altair and Joseph and the occasional Cesar Hernandez appearance, and that's not good enough. And, and, and Tommy Joseph, as good as he's playing here in the month of May, let's have some perspective here. He's hitting 257 with a 317 on base percentage. That's average. He's an average hitter now. Eight home runs, yeah, great. But he's not a star player. We love what Aaron Altair is doing, but you can't expect him to do this for the next three or four years consistently. That's the big line, obviously, is the Phillies don't have a star. But pitching, they don't have a clue. And that brings me to what I feel is the absolute truth right now is that something needs to change with this team. I know we've talked a lot about Bob McClure and Matt Klintak in his press conference last week said his job was safe. It's going to be okay. You know, McClure, we haven't even talked about his future like that. I mean, you say that to the press, you want to make sure you don't throw anyone under the bus here, but something needs to change here. Pete McCannon just got a contract extension. He's not going anywhere. Ownership, they're not going to do anything major. They're not going to get rid of McPhail or Klintak, nor should they. 
we need to see them get more time, and they certainly have earned that time. Their jobs aren't on the line right now. We're not talking about them. And honestly, I'm not, I don't have a problem with McLaurin. I don't want to see anyone's job go away. I don't want to see anyone get fired. And I'm not even vouching for McClure to get fired. But the truth is that the Phillies pitching staff has not been good for many years. Part of that is definitely the talent. They didn't have it early on. And it's young. And it has to take time. We all know that. But everybody's regressing. Eflin. Velasquez. Eikhoff. Maybe even Nola. They're all regressing. None of the pitchers who are coming up from AAA are actually being able to stay put and do a good job. That is very disheartening. When Nick Pavetta in Lehigh Valley is putting up an ERA of around two, he comes to Philly and gets waxed. I know there's a difference between AAA and Major League Baseball, clearly. But one of these guys has to stick, and nobody is sticking. They're actually regressing. Yes, they're young. But we need to see something better here. And that, again, makes me believe that for this team, worst team in baseball, not playing with very much high energy, seem to be, once they're down by three runs, they seem to kind of give up at this point. That's something that we saw two years ago in 2015. There needs to be a change with this team. Closed-door meetings in the clubhouse, fine. That's good once, twice. Something needs to change. And if it needs to be a coach like McClure, then it needs to be a coach like McClure because you just need to make a change somewhere. And and again, I don't want to see anyone lose their job, but in baseball, you need to shake things up once in a while. We expected so much more from this team. They are not delivering it. Ruining my Sunday, man. (laughs) Ruining it. Not really. But let's be honest. We all expected better from this franchise. They're not delivering. It's time to change something. Now, are they as bad as they were in 2015? Two years ago, this team needed a change after a really bad stretch. 3-19 and stretch in May of 2015. Thankfully, their manager decided to quit, and that helped. That actually helped. It changed the team in a lot of ways. Are we looking at the same situation here? Is this team as bad as 2015? Are they worse? Let's bring in Mike Sadowski to talk more about that. It has been a really, really tough last few weeks for the Philadelphia Phillies and their fans. Yes, we have tried to watch these games, and it has been terrible. But I wanted to ask a question. Is this really as bad as 2015 was? Now, you may not remember 2015 because you blocked it out of your memory, but the Phillies were really, really bad that year. They won 90 – excuse me, they lost 99 games. They nearly lost 100. And remember, their manager quit midseason, Ryan Sandberg, the, the person that we don't want to talk about here. But – 2015 was a really bad year, and looking at the team right now, we could say, yeah, it's worse because the play on the field might be worse and the record might be worse at the moment, but was it really worse than 2015? Are we in a better spot right now than we were two years ago? Mike Sadowski of Phillies Nation is here. Mike, 
Answer me that question. Are the Phillies better off right now than they were two years ago? Is this a better team than two years ago? Are we in better shape than two years ago? As a franchise, I think we are. Okay. Um, as a team, as a as a major league team, I I want to say yes, but I'm starting to worry no. Yeah. Um, but I think as a franchise we are because I think there's a lot more pieces and if they did want to start moving things around and make some changes I think there's a lot more ability to do that if in 2015 they wanted to just move away from Ryan Howard like right like right then they couldn't do it yeah. because they had no one to take a spot if they wanted to if they thought the old Duba Herrera uh, thing wasn't working um, which it could have very easily blown up in their face and didn't but if they wanted to move away from that they couldn't have yeah. Um, as as a franchise right now, if they wanted to, re- other than Michael Franco, if they wanted to replace any guy on that roster, they could with someone who's probably just as good as that person. Um, anyone in the outfield can go can can be thrown out, and they can bring up someone who's just as good. Most most of the ones in the infield can go into a slump or get busted for PEDs or something and anyone that they bring up could be could uh well fill in just nicely. Um but you definitely could not say that in two thousand fifteen. So as a franchise, yeah, I think they're better, but as a team, I'm more than moderately disappointed in what I've seen so far this year. Yeah, I think that's obviously, you know, uh, the, the company line here is that they have not played as well as we ever figured they would this year. I mean, not even close. But I remember going to the second home game in 2015 when they played the Red Sox. Uh, remember the opening series that year at home was against the Red Sox. And I was at that first, uh, it was actually a win, funny enough. But it was a game in which so- Jeff Francoeur was the big star on the field. And I just got a put that out there if 2015 we were relying on jeff frank core to be the the center of the offense and we had cody ashy we were like ooh, maybe cody ashy will break out this year and really be the third baseman that we think he can be uh no he went to left field and Michael just, just, just to be clear i've never said that about cody ashy I, I don't know i know i know there were people who were but i never said that about I, cody ashy i had some hope about i had some hope in him about 2014 or so but you know, this 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 was what was going on back in 2015. We were really grasping at straws, and we were relying on these very sort of washed-up filler veteran players to kind of make ends meet. Jeff Francoeur, I mean, you know, Ben Revere was still on the team for part of the season before the trade there to Washington. We got Nick Pavetta, of course. Uh, no, that was the Pavillon trade. Revere uh, went to Toronto. Excuse me, we got Alberto Toronto. Yeah. Um, Darnell Sweeney came in at one point of the year. Grady Sizemore was on the opening day roster. Don Brown was still on the team in 2015. Very much of a different look that year. We kind of knew in 2015 that this team was not very good. This year, it's just we feel like they should be better, and they're not. What the hell is going on here, right? I, I think, yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I, I think there's, in 2015, you couldn't be really disappointed because you had no expectations. Right. This was the first year, I think, in a while where there was, and this is why they're letting us down so much, is because there was, uh, no one had lofty expectations, but there was at least a hint that we could actually be excited and have something of an expectation. I mean, even if we were all really psyched that they had the outside shot to go 500, 
I, that, that was still like hope and that was the best that we've been able to do for a while. So I think just because there was that little sliver of expectations, I think that's why it's so disappointing right now that they are just look putrid, um, <laughs> winning two out of three or not. But I mean, it, it, they're, they're hitting like little leaguers. Uh, Oduber Herrera just seems absolutely lost. Mikel Franco just seems absolutely lost. And it's, it's, it, that, that's why it's frustrating. Yeah. Just because it's so, just because there was that sliver and they look so disappointing right now. But let me ask this question because in 2015, we had all those washed up players and those, you know, we weren't really thinking about the future on that team at that point. Now you have players who we hope will be part of the future and they're not producing. And, I don't know. Like, are you feeling that they're like in the back of your mind? You're thinking, "Oh no, is anybody in this organization actually going to be a really good player?" Because if Franco isn't producing and Herrera is falling backwards right now, and the pitching staff isn't really showing anything of note at the moment, what what, what means that you know Zach Eflin and Nick Pavetta, or you know whatever, even even go down further from that, Franklin Colome and and. What if, you know, Mickey Moniak? I mean, what if these guys aren't being developed correctly? I, I feel like, are you having any of that right now that, that maybe there's an organizational issue that needs to be addressed? Uh, I wasn't until now. But uh, <laughs> my, th- my thing was my thing was, where it was just that these aren't the guys that we, we were hoping they were going to be the guys, but they're not the guys. Yeah. So that's why this could be more of a wasted year than I thought it might be. If if Mikel Franco isn't the guy, I mean, we knew this was going to be like a trial and error year. This was the year we were going to find out a lot about these guys. Yep. And if this is what we're finding out about Mikel Franco, he is the most. I, I think we when we talked earlier this year, I think that that I said it, he was the most important person on this franchise right now because he's he's the only one that can't be replaced, and there's nothing coming up behind him. Yeah. So I mean, they're going to have to make they're going to have to look outside the organization if they want to replace him at third base. They're going to have. I mean. Do they go after Manny Machado in 2018? Maybe. I mean, it, that that might be something they might have to look into. But he's if if he's going to be if he's going to fail and if he's not going to be a major leaguer, then that's where this franchise really has a problem. To have your cleanup hitter and your third baseman and basically the only position player you have who doesn't have an understudy um, to go down and not be not be the cornerstone that you want him to be that's one of the things that's going to put this franchise back a few years and this rebuilding in back a few years, unless they can do something really interesting and, and really creative and try and get another third baseman somewhere, a good third baseman somewhere. Um, Cause other than that, that's, he's, he, that's the one that's the most disappointing is that Mikel Franco just doesn't seem like he can figure it out. And that's the one that's going to really hurt this franchise. What, what what sounds like you're saying, and I think this is kind of the, the whole MO of this whole conversation, is 2015, we didn't really have much in the farm system to begin with. It was still kind of materializing and gestating, so we weren't quite there yet. Now we have a lot going on for us below the Major League team, so clearly, no matter what's happening on the field in Philadelphia, as sucky as it is right now, it's much better yeah. than it was two years ago. Yeah. And I do think that there is a lot of uh, – I, I think that a lot of it had to do with the schedule and still has to do with the schedule. I mean, we saw – and when they started losing, they said, oh, good, or at least Colorado's coming in. Well, we didn't – I don't think anyone <laughs> realized that Colorado is going to be in first place and mashing the ball like crazy, although Catching I did pick them for the playoffs. Yeah. 
I did pick them for the the, the playoffs in the Phillies Nation poll at the beginning of the year. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> but now, I mean, but they're still not hitting the ball against Cincinnati. I mean, who knows? But now this this next part of the schedule actually does get a little easier. Yeah. So maybe if we can start seeing them come around. And that's what they did in April. They beat a lot of the teams that they should or when they got the right pitching matchups. And I, I, I let's let's just, for now, let's just cross our fingers and say, okay, it was the schedule and see what happens. Now, if we're talking this way in mid-June, June after they just lost five out of six to the Braves, then we can really start pushing the panic button. Yeah, they're not losing five out of six to the Braves right now. I'm telling you that at the moment. Uh, Mike Sadowski, thanks for coming on to talk about that, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Tim. We'll talk soon. All right. So here's what we're going to do. As I mentioned in the opening, the first nine episodes of the podcast, we've talked to somebody else at this spot. 25-minute interview, going over their life, their career, whatever. We've had Jason Stark on, Greg Murphy, a bunch of other people. But I wanted to get your questions for this episode, kind of 10th episode, check back in, see what's going on, get updated with what's happening with the big club. And obviously, there's a lot of bad stuff happening with the big club, but some good questions from you guys. We have a couple voicemails. We have some Twitter, Facebook questions. We'll start with the voicemails. Here's number one. Yes, I had um, a question I'd like to ask. Why aren't the Phillies trying to move Kingery at Reading either to the shortstop position or the third base position, which the openings may come? And what about Joseph? He's got a cannon for an arm. Why can't he play third base? So the listener here is bringing up a point that has been brought up Every time, every single time we have a prospect who's making some waves, you look at their position and you see, oh, someone is blocking that person. So maybe we have to move someone. And so the question here is about Scott Kingery going to maybe shortstop or third base. Why can't he move over? Because at second base, you have a guy in the majors who is playing quite well, Cesar Hernandez. So I wouldn't do that if you're in a position like the Phillies where there are so many positions that have to be filled still. You know, the Phillies aren't necessarily trying to fill for need. They are still in a place where they're looking for guys who are difference makers. And I think one thing is for certain on this current team, nobody has stepped out to be a difference maker. Aaron Altair has had a nice start to the year. Tommy Joseph is playing pretty well. But Franco Herrera... You know, none of these guys are right now charting as elite-level players who are going to be your all-star player every year, your superstar every year, you know, a face-of-the-game kind of thing. It's not quite there for this team. So when you're in that position like the Phillies are, you don't necessarily go out and decide that, oh, we have to move a guy to third because right now we need to fit someone at third base. Scott Kingery is really good, right? And he's really good at second base. We've heard the scouting reports. I heard from Mike Ventola a couple weeks ago with the Reading fight in Phils. Yeah, he's really good. He could play second base like Chase Utley. So why would you move him to a position where he will probably have less success? Second base is 
of the three left infield positions, left the first base, that is the easiest position to play. Usually if guys can't hack it at shortstop, they go to second base because there is a shorter range of throw. So Kingery has mastered that position to some extent. Why would you move him and change his game around so that you can fill a spot because Cesar Hernandez is playing at second? I just don't think that's a viable conclusion to what is happening right now. I think what the Phillies need more than anything are really good players. And if Scott Kingery is a really good player and he continues to show that he can hit the ball at a very high level, not just in double A but in triple A, then he should be coming up as the second baseman. And the Phillies should find a way to move Cesar Hernandez. As far as Kingry's timetable, might be this year. More likely next year at some point, if he continues to play well. But the Phillies should look at options with Cesar Hernandez when you get maybe closer to the end of this year, into the offseason. Maybe there is something they can do to move him to get value from him. His value is pretty high right now. But in no way would you start to entertain trying to move a position for Scott Kingery. You're at a point where Kingery's developing well at second base. He needs to stay there because he could be the star that they need at second. They can move Cesar. There will be other guys like Cesar that play for this team in the future. There's no need to make any rash decisions with position movement. As for Tommy Joseph, the listener also asked about Tommy Joseph and can he move around the diamond? He's got a cannon for an arm. I don't know if that's a good idea either. First base is generally the weakest defensive position on the diamond. If you uh, can't play other positions, you typically go to first base. Now, Joseph is more of a went to first base because catcher just didn't work because of all the concussions and just never really could amount to it at the catcher position. I just don't think it's a smart move to have Joseph moving around the diamond right now. If he goes anywhere, it would actually be left field, but... Who knows if he could play outfield? He's never played outfield at a professional level. It would be a real big risk for the Phillies. I know that there are teams out there who do this more often, like the Chicago Cubs have done it with Joe Madden, but they know their players, and the Phillies know their players, and I wouldn't believe in any way that the Phillies think. If, if they thought Tommy Joseph could play another position than first base and do it at a level that was decent enough to move there, they would have tried him there in spring training. They would have done some things to show that he's more versatile. He's not. I think he's just a first baseman. And so the Phillies are going to have a decision to make. We'll talk more about that later on Mike Sadowski. But I think there's no way that Joseph is moving anywhere around the diamond either. Hey, it's Mike here. No question. Uh, I pretty much know everything I need to know just from reading your articles at Phillies Nation. Just want to thank you guys for everything. I truly do appreciate all the writing you guys do and the hard work and effort you guys put in. I read your uh, articles every single day, if there is one. But I am going online, and I really do appreciate it. Keep up the great work, all of you, especially Tim. And, uh, you know, I'm a patient Phillies fan. So if it takes a few few more years for the turnaround, that's okay by me. It's fun watching these prospects and reading about them and watching them develop. Go Phils. Thanks, guys. Well, I'm sorry, but I had to include that one. It was really nice to hear from a listener who uh, just wanted to say hi and that we do a good job. I mean, it's cool. You know, I, we like getting the good feedback. It's great because we don't typically get it. We'll get the comments saying, you're wrong, Mike Trout, da 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 you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I love you guys, all of you, seriously. 
Um, but uh, thanks, Mike. And I really appreciate it. It's, it's nice to hear uh, good stuff. And uh, yeah, it's also nice to hear good stuff when uh, the team's so bad. You know, it's, it's good to have some perspective and let's be patient. Let's it's never going to be the we're not we're not going to have this for the next 40 years. It's not going to be like the, the 30s and 40s fills. It's not going to happen like this. OK, it'll get better. But thanks, Mike. I really appreciate the message. All right. So we're going to go to Facebook a little bit for some questions. Uh, George had this question. Uh, first off, he said that he asked to believe that Jorge Alfaro would do a better job catching Nola's breaking ball. He also has a cannon of an arm. Why are we waiting to bring up Jorge Alfaro? It's a good question because it's been brought up a little bit and there's been sort of clips and phrases of answers around the Phillies nation. And it's, it comes down to this, really. Jorge Alfaro, the Phillies feel, is not quite ready to be a defensive catcher at a major league level. And that's not to say that he's not good. And that's not to say that he's never going to be that. But Jorge Alfaro has no more options left after this year. And when I say options, in the major leagues, you get three options. Once you get put on the 40-man roster, you have three options. Each year is an option, right? So if you are put on the 40-man roster and then you spend 20 days in minor league baseball, the moment that you cross that 20-day threshold, you use up an option year. One is gone. And that option means you can go back and forth to the majors and to the minors without any penalty to the team. You just go back and forth. But you have three years of this, thus the three option years. So Jorge Alfaro was put on a 40-man roster back in 2015. His first option year was that year because he crossed the 20-game minor league threshold. Last year, again, he crossed the threshold. Second option year used. And he was up for about, what, 10 days or 15 days at the end of September last year. Then this year, he crossed the 20-day minor league threshold and you know, in April, and his final option year was used, gone. This is the last year that Jorge Alfaro can spend more than 20 days in the minors. And I believe it's consecutively. I don't have the actual print with me right now. But it's the last year that Alfaro can be in the minors for a considerable amount of time. After this year, he has to be in the major leagues. He's going to be in the minors as long as he's going to be here, uh, as long as Lehigh Valley is playing games this season. That's it. The Phillies want to see him develop as much as possible in the minors where there is no penalty, there's no backlash to the team, it doesn't hurt the team in any way, they can let him develop for Lehigh Valley because that's where you develop in the minors. And they hope that he'll be at a place defensively where they feel strong enough to say in spring training next year, okay, Jorge, it's your job. You win, you get it. You're not competing with anybody. You're going out there and catching every day in spring training, and then we'll get you out there in a regular season. But that'll be next year. This year, it'll be the same as last year. He will play in Lehigh Valley every day get his reps, continue to learn the defensive side of the game while he continues to hit well. And then in September, when Lehigh Valley is eliminated from the postseason or wins in the postseason or whatever, once that season is over, chances are the Phillies will call Jorge up for the final two weeks of the year and maybe let him start a game or two and get a couple at-bats and just get that sort of major league experience a little bit more before he's up for good. And it sucks. 
We want to see Jorge. We want to see these prospects. And some of the prospects have different stories than others as far as why they're not up here yet. But for Jorge, it really comes down to his service time, his options. You know, the Phillies just want to see him develop at his pace. And catcher is a really tough position to develop. It takes a long time to develop a catcher in the minor leagues to get to a place where you feel comfortable with him as a major leaguer. Cameron Rupp, as a comparison, the Phillies felt a couple of years ago that he was just about ready to be in the majors. They felt that he was as developed as he could be. His defensive and play calling game was fine enough for them that he was up. Maybe he's regressed in some of those aspects in the last couple of years, but he has gotten better offensively, and the Phillies have liked that development. But that's what happens with catchers. The fielding, the defense, the play calling, all that stuff has to happen in the minor leagues. In the major leagues, it's a detriment, and it would hurt the prospect. So they don't want to hurt Jorge Alfaro's development. They're going to keep him in Lehigh Valley until the time is up, and then he'll be here for good, hopefully. So that's it. Uh, It's a shame that Jorge's not here yet, but it really just comes down to semantics with him, and we'll see him probably in September, and then definitely as long as everything works out to plan in April of next year. I got a question here from one of our friends, uh, Mary Pat. I think everybody knows a Mary Pat, especially if you grew up in Port Richmond, like myself. She asks, when is ownership going to start spending money? It's a good question. She continues to talk about how ownership is uh, spitting in the faces of Philly fans who love good baseball and would happily shell out big bucks to go to games and buy merchandise. That's absolutely true. We will happily spend a lot of money to go to Philly's games and buy stuff. Absolutely will. Um, But the question is about ownership. When will they start spending actual money? Soon. They will soon. They haven't yet, and there are reasons. Mostly, who are they going to get with the money? Let's be real. Who were the Phillies going to spend money on in the last two years? Look at all the free agents that were out there. Do you want the Phillies to have three or four of those guys? I mean, think about it again. Who were the free agents in this past offseason who were big money free agents? Jose Bautista? Really? 37-year-old Jose Bautista? Aroldis Chapman? Who needs Aroldis Chapman on this roster right now, right? You know, list goes on. There's no need for the Phillies to go after any big players yet. Now, Manny Machado free agency is coming up. Bryce Harper will be coming up pretty soon. And then beyond that, Mike Trout's obviously. If the Phillies are going to spend big free agent cash, they will do it. And they will do it then. They're not going to do it until they feel that they have a team that is ready to compete at at least a 500 level. And then you start to build from there. The Phillies right now aren't that team. And yeah, it's a letdown. It's a total letdown. The guys like Franco and right now Herrera, but give him more time. Uh, Galvis, on and on, aren't producing. And it stinks that the pitching staff has not really come around like it should. But there's a lot of prospects still in the system coming up. And you have to see how they're going to do over the next year, maybe year and a half, maybe two years. And that's disheartening. But I think ownership is going to look at the environment around them, the landscape, if you will, and say, you know what? We have a couple pieces. It's now time to figure out how we build. Maybe building through the prospects wasn't the best idea. 
Let's figure out how to trade this prospect or that prospect. Let's get to a place where we're really confident about where we're going to be, and then let's make the big play. They will spend money. They will. But they need to make sure the time is right. When the Phillies spent money back in 2004 on Jim Tomey, or excuse me, 2003 on Jim Tomey, they did it when the team was just about an 80 to 85 win team. They knew the team was decent enough to bring some people to the park and maybe have a little bit of a playoff contention. They knew the time was right for Jim Tomey. Then things started to pick up, right? The guys who they drafted in those years started to come alive. Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, the Phillies are basically back in 1999. As sad as it is, they're back in that era. They're not going to spend big money yet. They will when the time is right. They spent a ton of money from 2010 to 2012. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't work. But they spent the money because they were already a good team. They won't spend big money until they're a good team. They will spend the money, but they have to get to that place first. So, yeah, patience is going to be necessary. And I think ownership is patient, but they will see in maybe a year from now if this team does not have any lick of a contention bone, contentious bone in their body, maybe they will start to really get uh, uh, antsy and make a move or two that get them closer to 500 quicker. And that might get you happy. But what might also get you happy is they make an awesome run in June, July, and they find themselves at 500. And maybe next offseason they do make a play. But be patient if you can. I know it stinks, but try to be patient. The Phillies will spend the money. It's just not going to happen right now. The next question is from Facebook from Lowell. Do you think with the history the Phillies have of waiting too long to bring up top prospects that right now is the time to bring up Cousins, Hoskins, Quinn, and Alfaro permanently, if not two of those players at least. They've waited too long to bring up Howard, and I think now's the time to bring up Quinn and Cousins at least. Now, I'll talk with Mike Sadowski a little bit more about Reese Hoskins and Ryan Howard later on in the show. But again, this is a constant theme here. Where are the prospects? Why aren't they here yet? With Jorge Alfaro, I mentioned before, it's about the options. With someone like Roman Quinn, it's about more about the major league outfield. And let me put it this way. If after Howie Kendrick got hurt, Aaron Altair came in and fell flat on his face, I think around now you might see Roman Quinn coming up. There is a financial commitment to Michael Saunders that I feel like the Phillies probably need to at least honor through probably this year. It's a $9 million contract. Then there's next year with an option. I think the Phillies need to honor that contract a little bit and see if Michael Saunders can turn it around. And he's, he's had moments, but yeah, he definitely needs to play better. So I think the Phillies are looking at the outfield situation and saying, well, you know, Saunders, we can't just give up on the guy. We signed him to a decent contract. We have faith in him. Let's see what he can do. Altair is hitting the ball really well. We can't take him out of the lineup. Kendrick will come back at some point and maybe take some innings away from somebody. Maybe that's Saunders. And then Herrera, yes, he struggled mightily. But take May of this year away, and he's been a really good player. 
And along with that, his fielding's been tremendous. So even if he's an offensive Freddie Galvis, he's still a defensive Odubel Herrera, and that's really good. So the Phillies look at that outfield situation and say there's really nowhere to put Roman Quinn, who needs to start. Quinn just can't come in and come off the bench once every two or three days. He needs to play every day. That's what these prospects have to do. So until there is a change in the outfield, if maybe the Phillies decide we're done with Saunders or we trade Saunders or maybe they trade Altair or maybe they trade Herrera, I don't know. But until there is a change like that, they're going to keep Quinn in Lehigh Valley. Same goes with Cousins. He's an outfielder. Same deal. It's really disheartening. And I know we talked about it on Faro. Really tough to see these guys hitting well in Lehigh Valley and knowing that they're not doing it in Philadelphia. And you're watching this team and going, what the heck? We could see, we could use Cousins. We can use Quinn. We could use Nick Williams, who, by the way, is really hitting the ball well as of late. Until there's a starting job open for one of these guys, it's not going to happen. So if there's an injury, if there's a move, that dif- that's different. Something will open up. But until then, you're going to see an outfit that's probably going to be all Terra Saunders and Herrera for the foreseeable future. Again, if Saunders you know, is a 200 hitter on July 1st, maybe there's a different story to tell. If Aaron Altair has so much value that the Phillies decide maybe we can pull off some kind of a neat trade for him, which I would totally do. I would I would trade Altair if he's hot for really good prospects or something like that, or maybe even package him with some prospects for a great player. I would do that. But until that kind of thing happens... You're not going to see these guys coming up yet. It's just not going to happen, sadly. This question is from Steven on Facebook. Why are the Phillies not taking advantage of Ty Kelly right now? Players are struggling to get going on offense, and Ty, with regular starts, can explode on offense. Now, Ty Kelly's not a prospect, A. He's not necessarily thought of as a very good player, B. He's hitting 250 this year. He has a 238 on base percentage. Doesn't have any extra base hits. I'm sorry. He has four extra base hits. He has four doubles. I was looking at the wrong stat. So that's not bad. I I, I don't know if this is serious. I'm not sure. <laughs> Look, Ty Kelly, I mean, he could maybe be an offensive contributor somewhere down the line. I don't know where it is, but he's really more of sort of a filler to kind of bridge the gap between what's here now and what's coming later down the pike. He's also a bench player. And because the Phillies won't bring up someone like J.P. Crawford or Nick Williams or what have you until there is a role open for them on the starting lineup, you need guys like Ty Kelly to be bench players for the time being. Um, Ty Kelly's not been a very good major league player. He's still kind of young. He's 28, but he's not someone that we're looking at as a long-term piece down the line. So, don't know if you're serious, but I uh, need to do address that Ty Kelly probably is not a long-term option for the Phillies or most teams right now. This one's from Twitter, and this will be the last question, and why not? Let's do it. Is Mike Trout coming to Philly? Well, yeah, of course he is. He's going to be going to some Eagles games this year, I'm sure, and he'll probably head into the city for some dinners when he's uh, home for the offseason. Yeah, sure. But... Everybody wants to see Mike Trout in Philly's pinstripes. And I would be the first person. I definitely would love to see it. There's a chance. 
I mean, let's be honest. There are 30 teams in Major League Baseball. There's a chance, right? The Phillies have a lot of money in the payroll. They can give money to Mike Trout. Yeah, there's definitely more of a chance. Mike Trout is from the Philly area. He loves the Eagles. He was a Philly fan growing up. Absolutely, there's more of a chance. Matt Klentak, who's a general manager of the Phillies, was in the front office with the Angels. And by the way, he was one of the guys that helped draft Mike Trout. There's definitely more of a chance. I think they, I think it's definitely possible that Mike Trout comes to Philadelphia as a Philly when he's a free agent. And I believe that's in 2020. Still some time from now. Is it possible that the Phillies pull off a trade for him? Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. I wouldn't bank on anything, though, okay? Just don't bank on it. Don't put your money on it. Don't get excited. Just know that down the line, the Phillies at some point are going to spend some money. And it'll probably be 2019 or 20 or something around there. They probably will get a big-time player. Right now, there are no big-time players in this organization. Maybe Reese Hoskins is a big-time hitter. That might happen. Maybe Scott Kingery is a next-level second baseman. Maybe there are pitchers in this system like Sixto Sanchez that have what it takes to be an ace at a major league level. But those are all some big question marks. The Phillies don't have a sure thing right now in this organization. Someone like Mike Trout is clearly a sure thing. That will happen at some point, whether it's a Trout or a Machado or a Harper or someone else who was a sure thing by 2019 or 2020. I would say that the Phillies are definitely going to bring in someone who's got some marquee power at some point. Not yet, not until they're ready, but it'll happen. Chances it's Mike Trout? My answer to that question? Hey, what's better than spending a warm summer evening watching the stars of tomorrow play baseball? Phillies Nation will invade First Energy Stadium to watch Scott Kingery and the Reading Fightins on Sunday, June 11th at 5 p.m. with a fun group outing for fans of all ages. That's right, 5 p.m. Sunday, June 11th. We have the third baseline where tickets are $30 and include a two and a half hour all-you-can-eat barbecue buffet with ribs, chicken, hot dogs, burgers, mac and cheese, and much more. Plus, this is the perfect Father's Day gift as the first 2,000 guys will receive a Fightin's Bucket Hat and all fans are invited to play catch on the field after the game. Come see the future of the Phillies today with Phillies Nation. June 11th, 5 p.m. For details, visit philliesnation.com slash events. Again, it's philliesnation.com slash events. I feel like we have to talk about Reese Hoskins right now. He is absolutely killing the ball in Lehigh Valley. He is way out in front in the International League in just about every offensive category. And with me right now is Mike Sadowski of philliesnation.com to talk about Reese Hoskins and what he's doing and how he compares to a certain player that maybe we remember from the past. Uh, Mike, you have a piece coming up this week at philliesnation.com. Give us what you were thinking uh, going into this piece and, and what your finding was about Reese Hoskins and what he's doing right now. 
Okay. Hey, Tim, how are you doing? Um, good. How are you? We're good. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks now. It just keeps getting more. I, I thought about it through like through April and then it just keeps getting more and more similar. I mean, this is exactly like 2005 mm. when the Phillies just couldn't get a place for Ryan Howard because he was blocked by Tommy. He was blocked by Jim Tommy. The offseason, the Phillies had tried to, in the season before, they had tried to put Howard in the outfield. They tried him in, in spring training a couple of times, and it was painfully, painfully obvious to everyone that that just wasn't going to work. And after then after seeing Ryan Howard for 10 years, yeah, you know why it didn't work. Um, <laughs> but it, it's in 2004, Ryan Howard was in Reading, and just crushed the ball. Right. Killed it. Right. Uh, 48 home runs at two stops, or 46 home runs at two stops, and then hit two more when he came up to the Phillies. Um, and then the problem is, now the Phillies have their $90 million man and the face of the franchise sitting there at first base only two years into his contract. Sure. So there really, there really wasn't anything to do. They couldn't figure out something in the offseason. They didn't what they were asking a lot for Howard. So no one was going to make, no one, no one wanted to trade for him and they couldn't trade Tony because his contract was too big at the time. So they just went back out and put a 25 year old Ryan Howard down in Scranton and may, and had Tommy come up and Tommy hit what I think like 210 through the first two and a half months. And Ryan Howard was just annihilating triple a pitching. Um, and still Ryan Howard is down in triple a and Jim Tommy was up just getting above the Mendoza line because he didn't know how to play the shift. Um, and then all of a sudden, middle of June, Tommy got hurt. Howard came up, and the rest is history. And this was a 25-year-old Howard who was down in, in Scranton. Now, fast forward to now. Hoskins did the same thing last year in Reading that that Howard did in 2004. He, I don't think anyone thought he was ready to come up this year. He probably could have yeah, but I don't think yeah. but there wasn't a universal claim there wasn't a universal claim that he was ready uh when that his bat was ready when everyone knows that that everyone knew in 2005 that Howard was um but so Hoskins went back down to triple a and is just absolutely murdering the ball this and almost the stats are like it, it's it's scary like the, how close the stats are between Stasi and Stasi's 2017 and Ryan Howard's 2005 those first two months he's Play. Hold on, hold on, Hoskins, not Stassi, Hoskins. I'm oh, sorry, Hoskins, <laughs> Hoskins. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's scary how close the stats are. Yeah. Um, and it, it is really looking like 2005 all over again. Well, that, now the the, situ- the situations are completely different. Like that, the Phillies couldn't bring up Howard because they had Tommy, and no one wanted to see Tommy go. Now the Phillies can't bring up can't bring up um, uh, Hoskins. Because Tommy Joseph is just killing the ball, yeah. and Saturday again, we we saw Thursday he has a homer and a walk off single. Saturday homer and a walk off single. I mean, where do you? And we've tried. They've tried to put Joseph in other places. That hasn't worked. Hoskins tried to go to other places. That has. That absolutely hasn't worked. So I mean, what are we going to do here? Yeah, there's got to be some kind of resolution. Well, let's let's quickly go over Hoskins' numbers right now, because and this is through Saturday's games. Uh, well, Saturday night, before Saturday night, he's got a 1.111 OPS, which is about one and a half 
well, a hundred and a half points higher than uh, the next person in the International League right now. He's he's hitting with an average of uh, three twenty nine. He's got a four three three OBP. Absolutely way out in front of everybody else. Lapping the field right now. Thirteen homers. He's got eleven doubles. He's got two triples. I mean, the guy is just killing it. Twenty eight strikeouts. Twenty eight walks. He's unbelievable. Yeah, leading walks. Yeah. yeah. And, and so and so. I mean, obviously, yes, what we looked at in 2005 was a guy who was hurt, and so that was kind of lucky for the Phillies that they were able to just say, oh, Ryan Howard can come up now because Tommy's out basically for the rest of the season, and this is our way to kind of let this situation play out for itself. Now the Phillies have a situation where Tommy Joseph is playing extremely well. He's younger than Jim Tomey. He doesn't cost the money that Jim Tomey costs. He's not hurt, and now they have to figure something out. So, Mike, I ask you, what do you think is going to happen now? I mean, you can't go another two months with Reese Hoskins in Triple A. Well, I think they're going to. Um, because there's no way to rectify this right now. And if if you do end up keeping uh, keeping Hoskins instead of Joseph, I don't think they're going to want to start his clock, yeah. his arbitration clock. So, yeah. I mean, He's definitely he's definitely not he's definitely not down, not up until mid June. That's for that's for absolutely oh, sure, sure. Sure, sure. Because if they do want to keep him, if they do end up keeping Hoskins instead of Joseph, then they definitely don't want to start his arbitration clock. So we definitely can't. He's not coming up until mid June. After that, I mean, it, it's it's tough. I don't I don't have an idea. I, I mean, there's there really there's unless you want to start thinking about a major package. And putting Joseph or Joseph slash Hoskins because right now it's a talk. Yeah, one or the other. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. I, I really, I really don't know what I would. I really don't know what I would choose right now. Um, so I, you put maybe Hoskins or Joseph in a package with Cousins, with I don't know, with Ron Quinn, with maybe maybe Mark Appelstaus and that. Right now, if Tom Eshelman has any kind of value or any, yeah. Any kind of cachet across the league, boom, ship them out. Yeah. Take whatever you can get that's overvalued for him and do it now. Eshelman's like a number four starter. He's, he's, he's like Joe Rowe. Yeah, control guy, whatever. Let it, let him go. Yeah, if that. I mean, he's, he, he's Joe Rowe, so if you want to go back to 2005. Joe Rowe. But it's – there's something – something's got to give because you're right. There's no way – Hoskins should not be down – for the entire year, and right now that's what's going to happen. Um, you don't, you can't take Joseph out right now. I and mean, maybe you think by mid June, and Tommy Joseph goes into a slump, and maybe it works itself out. Maybe he gets hurt again, like like uh, Tommy did. But it's it's tough right now. I don't I don't know what to do. I just know that the two best players in the franchise right now seem to be playing first base. Yeah. And and that's something that we didn't really think going into this season would be the case. We thought Tommy Joseph. I mean. You know, I think we all kind of thought Tommy Joseph would be sort of normal, mediocre-ish player, and it would allow for Reese Hoskins, if he was good, to come up at some point and take over the job, and that hasn't happened. So it's it's a really interesting problem that the Phillies have, and it's a problem, but it's a very tough, like, sort of Rosemary's Baby thing here, uh, where or Sophie's Choice, not Rosemary's Baby, wrong movie, <laughs> Sophie's Choice. Where you have to pick one or the other to let was go. Brock, was Brock, was Brock Stassi in one of those movies? <laughs> no more Stassis. Um, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, you know, th- this is a really tough choice for them because 
if they decide that Joseph is the one who goes, then you better hope that Reese Hoskins becomes a major league player who can hit, you know, about 300 every year with 20 to 30 home runs at least, because then you're giving up someone who's now proven that at some modicum of level here in the major league. So it's a really tough choice that the Phillies have. Yeah, and right now that's that's what is so fascinating is that right now we still don't know if if Reese Hoskins can hit major league pitching. Um, yeah. and, and, and we're going to make this, this huge big decision around this, around the fact that we don't know if he's a major league hitter or if he ends up being a quad a guy. Um, and the same thing could have been said about Howard, uh, 12 yeah. years ago. True. So True. It, it's, it's, I, it's a tough situation. I, and Matt, but Matt Clintac has to figure out a way to, to get through this. Well, I'll say two things about this real quick, and then we can, we could stop this conversation, but Hoskins, is lapping the field in the International League. I mean, nobody has been close to him in any of the offensive categories in the last month, basically. He is really out in front of the whole league right now. So that gives you a lot of hope that, yeah, he's definitely the real deal here offensively. The other thing is that first base, to me, is a position where you could sort of go year by year if you need to and pick up the guy who in the free agent market who might be worth only $5 million but can still pop you 25 home runs. I feel like yeah. that position is a little bit easier to fill than other positions on the diamond. So I think the Phillies can be a little bit more risk-taking. Risk, you know, they, they, they can be less risk-averse with this position right now. Yeah, and, and who knows? In five years, Mark Reynolds could still be signing one-year deals with a new <laughs> team every year. God, I hope we don't have Mark Reynolds on this team for <laughs> years or anything like that. Ty Wigginton, yeah, the return. Uh, yeah. Mike, well, uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Tim. Thanks to BenSound.com for the music for the podcast. So thanks to Mike Sadowski for coming on the Phillies Nation podcast. Also, thanks to all of you for your mailbag questions. It was fun to answer them, and hopefully I have cleared up some of your most pressing needs in Philly fandom. It is a bad time right now. It's not fun. It'll get better. It has to get better, right? It has to get better. Let me give you a little thing to wet your whistle. Scott Kingery, he's back over 300. 303 average right now with a 381 on base percentage. 15 home runs. Boy, those are some really good numbers. But how about this? 12 stolen bases leads the team. Still really good this year, man. Hey, maybe he's up this year. Maybe the Phillies make a big gamble and decide that he's ready. Probably not. Probably not. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. As always, find the Phillies Nation podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and YouTube at YouTube.com slash PhilliesNation. PhilliesNation.com. Facebook.com slash PhilliesNation. Twitter at Phillies Nation, Instagram at Phillies Nation underscore. You can find us in all those places. Please do it. Please follow. Please subscribe. Please love us. We love you. I'm Tim Malcolm. Thanks for listening to the Phillies Nation podcast. We will see you next week.